Hello, I'm Jensen Mueller. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The Two Enthusiasts Podcast. Thank God we can once again edit out all of Quentin's puns. Oh, because it's not. Because it's not live. Live. We are back in my living room doing this the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even pun it up too much in the live show. You had a couple. Yeah. You had a couple. You, you, the, well, the, the the sailor one <clears throat> was a little, because it was a tacky question. No, that was that, Wasn't that funny? Wasn't yeah. that a really funny joke? Yeah, I really thought that was really funny. Uh-huh. I laughed so hard <laughs> and tried, you know, just kind of just held it in because yeah. I didn't want to laugh too loud. And, sure. You know, I think the audience more. wasn't into tacky jokes, though. Oh, man. And they, uh, they still aren't. Nope. <laughs> Take a drink of your Mountain Dew so you don't fall asleep. Nope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, uh, thank you to everyone that came out to the live show. We really appreciate it. If you couldn't make it out to the live show, Quinn and I have been talking about maybe doing others in other cities. So if you would like us to come to your city, maybe shoot us an email and let us know we have listeners there. And, uh, if you have a venue, that would really be, uh, of, of note and of help. But I think and the chances went- of being able to do it, it would, it would go up if it was like, Hey, it's, uh, MotoGP in Austin. Let's do one in Austin. I definitely think we should do one in Austin. We just got to figure out where we would do it because that's a hard and that's a hard kind of weekend because everyone's kind of busy. So I don't know what day we would do it. But I know we were talking about San Francisco, maybe one in SoCal, LA, um, OC-ish. I think Austin's an easy one during GP time. We're not far away from Seattle. We have some Seattleites that are all up in it. But it's Seattle. Good point. You know, it's might as just, well come to Portland. Yeah, yeah if, if you couldn't, want, if you couldn't drive from Seattle down to Portland for the live show, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about they you. They don't necessarily deserve it. I got an email from someone that was going to come down from the Coop, not Washington, uh, Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, British Columbia, and, and I was like, "We're not that good. That's not. You don't yeah. have to cross an international border for us. That's yeah. that's above and beyond." Six hours later, and you're here. Uh, oh man, after like you know getting tsa or border controlled or whatever it is yeah. you're gonna have to go through it for that i think it's worse coming go, going that way than coming in you know what i'm saying it is it is remarkably hard to get across the canadian border they the turn the couple times that i've done it there just seems to be a very they're skeptical they're very they're really skeptical. like what are you doing here? they're weary for you sure. know we don't have penguins right <laughs> what is about penguins there's no penguins in the, the yeah, north, not north, north but why, why would people not know that? Wouldn't that be the only reason you go to Canada? Is Don't to they have Linux? Isn't it Linux? Wasn't that we were just talking yeah, about? Yeah, we're talking about it's got the little penguin. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't where my head was. I would I, I would I would trade my cat in for a penguin like that. Really, Coda? I mean, Coda's great, no, but a penguin <clears throat> that would be cool. Can you imagine a penguin? Sure. Um, get us back on track, ish. If you are on the social medias, you should follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We put up the show on SoundCloud, which is a pretty cool platform. You can comment right on the timestamp of the show. So if Quentin says like some horrible pun, you can type in at like oh, 18 minutes and 39 seconds. Quentin, that was a horrible pun. You're yeah, horrible but then that feeds the beast, right? You give me attention, then I want more. Yeah. So well, you might not want to do that. Think twice. Just Just comment carefully. Uh, I will say, if you are listening to the show on iTunes, please leave a comment and a review. We haven't asked for that in a while, and I haven't seen too many reviews in a while, so I'm I'm putting that, that back into the routine. We've got a couple of people that have, <clears throat> if they comment positively on the Facebook page, I usually ask, hey, why? What did you like about it? For sure, it? for sure. And it's really good to get that feedback, more than just, hey, thumbs up, good job, guys. Fair enough. I appreciate that you like listening to the show, but... 
if you can give us criticism and or praise and tell us why constructive criticism constructive yeah not destructive criticism we we are special because if i just leave a comment like quentin you're fat and you're lonely and you'd be like oh yeah there's not much you can do about that sure you're like maybe hit the gym but that's hard that's a lot of work yeah sure anywho let's talk about some motorcycles okay after everyone's like they're they've paused the show they've left a rating and now they're coming back that's that's how i envision this yep so we've had a pretty busy week or so since the live show in portland and um obviously a lot to discuss and the one i want to shamelessly plug is i just launched the a and r pro premium member thing on asphalt and rubber so if you're a diehard asphalt and rubber fan and you want to help support the site and get to view the site without ads no race spoilers get some access to some exclusive content which will be mostly like longer form journalism looking like so far i think i put up a few posts already they're about two thousand words a piece long form journalism so would this be something that if I don't know. Would you two thousand words? I'm trying to think of if an, a normal article in a motorcycle magazine. What yeah, is that'd, one be, of your... that'd be a sizable article. That'd be a multiple page article in a motorcycle yeah. magazine. So okay. the idea is that it it's a way for us to more effectively. Well, first of all, it's a way for for readers to support the site. If you're a diehard uh, A&R fan, I know I look at the analytics and I see people coming back five, ten, sometimes twenty times a day, which is just silly. If you're coming to the site twenty times a day you know, thank you. Like my future children are going to go to college because of you. But there's people that are definitely super into the site and come back often. And so it's a way for those people to help support, you know, that outlet. But also it's a really effective way for us to monetize stories that require a lot more research and more analysis and, you know, time, energy and time and energy. Because like the reason for this, the reason the long way around I'm, I'm getting to this is that we're definitely seeing a trend online especially as we're seeing like the print magazines going to that shorter format news. We're losing long form journalism in motorcycling for sure. There, It's hard to capture people's attention on Facebook or Google search or Twitter or whatever your social media medium is for those long stories that like you're going to sit down and read for like 10, 20, 30 minutes and really digest. And maybe that's something, maybe it's a story you come back to and read it a second time and just process it again. That doesn't really work in the online kind of like instantaneous gratification world that we live in. Um, and so why are we using the same business model for that? And so we're definitely seeing a lot of people are struggling in the space. And that's one of the topics I want to get to because, because motorcyclists is making a big move right now, but it's one of the things we're seeing in the space is how are publications dealing with this? And I think the tragedy is, is we're just kind of going lowest common denominator or what you would call a race to the bottom yep. where it's like, Hey, let's just get that hundred word story out and be first and do capital letters first or exclusive or you heard it here first because that's literally what we're competing on is like that I got it to you 20 seconds quicker than the competition did. Not any better, maybe a little worse, but we're all using kind of the same photos and stuff. And the idea here is like everything on asphalt and rubber that was that's been there for the last eight years is going to stay the same. We're still going to break news. We're still going to you know, go to events and cover racing and go to trade shows and, you know, do all that jazz. But this is a way for, for me to explore kind of more businessy and statistics and, you know, analysis type pieces. And I I already have a couple contributors lined up. that are going to do similar types of stories for, for fields of study that they're experts in. And it, and it just makes it a really good platform for them to, to spend like a day or two working on a story and get compensated appropriately for it. And for, 
the readers or the type of readers that are more interested in that story to get that kind of content and to support it. So um, hopefully, uh, I would I would hope that a lot of our two enthusiast podcast listeners are those kind of readers on Asphalt and Rubber, and I would I would definitely implore you to go sign up. It's at asphaltandrubber.com slash pro is the uh, the sign up page. Uh, if you Google or not Google, if you search on the site for AR Pro, you'll see the post that I made that uh, explains kind of the same thing. But I think I actually did a better job explaining it on. You think that a lot of people are scared because, well, not scared. Uh, what What is the right word? They're kind of, eh. I think there's some definite apprehension because the, the media landscape's changing. And we've definitely seen publications in the past put up paywalls and or or restrict their amount of content that you get like new york times for a while it was like you could get like nine stories for free a year and then you'd have to sign up and i don't think that works i don't think that works online and that's definitely not what i'm trying to do here that's why i'm like really adamant about like everything you've been visiting asphalt and rubber for for the last eight years will still be there i'm not going to start making you pay for it it's just this idea of you want more if you're one of those i call my one percenters i literally am going after like one percent of my audience yeah and just saying, that, like, if you're one of these people that comes to the site 10 times a day, five times a day, whatever it is, you know, if you're spending a lot of time on asphalt and rubber, this is this is something that's probably for you because you're going to get a lot more. You're going to get a, one. You're going to get a better experience on the website because the we do we work so hard to make our load times for the pages as fast as we can, only to watch our advertisers just slaughter us. Like asphalt and rubber loads in like less than a second. Some of our advertisers take 30 seconds to load. Hmm. which is brutal so you get that taken away you won't have any race spoilers which i know for some of the racing fans is really hard to manage we're gonna be the first website that i know of um that handles racing where you can go to it during the racing season and not have any content spoilers without you know unless you click on something that specifically says like hey spoiler but like we won't have any headline spoilers we're gonna have photo spoilers crap out of that well that's not really no because it's one of those things like i'm not gonna police like oh it was something in the comments our commenters are pretty good about it, but it's like you can come visit the site, read the day's news, yeah. and still have your you know MotoGP race on your TiVo for a couple of days and not worry about it popping up. Oh, 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 Valentino run. Well, why should I watch the race now? Sure. Um, I'm very much of the idea. This is this is a freemium model versus a paywall model. If if you're into the the business side of it, because I think you have to. There is an expectation that basic news commodity news should be free and i and i agree with that and not not many people understand the behind the scenes at all and and really but most people don't even fathom it even thinking about a print magazine which takes all kinds of capital to get produced oh my god the overhead for those guys is insane not only do they have larger staffs <clears throat> staffs um you know bigger you know, physical buildings to take care of, but just the cost of, of going to print. I mean, very few publications now own their own printing process, unless you're a part of a larger conglomerate. So like cycle world, motorcyclist, sport rider, all part of Bonnier. I would imagine Bonnier owns a printing press that they use for all of their publications, but maybe not even. Yeah. Um, that's probably way too publisher geeky for our audience, but no, but that's, that's what they, and I guess that's what we need to talk about relative to say motorcyclists. If this is a good... Yeah, we can segue into it. Yeah. I think this is the time to because it's a big deal. Yeah. So for those that don't know, Motorcyclist uh, at some point in 2017 is going to be switching to a six-issue-a-year format. And from what I understand, they're going to kind of switch their focus to be more lifestyle-oriented. And in the process, they're going to lose uh, Mark Cook, who's the current editor-in-chief. And he had a really interesting 
letter that he posted, not only to the the website in the Cook's Corner column, but also I just saw it's it. in the magazine. It's in the magazine as well. And you know, you can kind of read between the lines a little bit on it. And and like the very first paragraph is kind of about how when he started, you know, journalists didn't in, interject themselves into the story, and now that's kind of like a big part of it. And that's kind of like. I don't know if that's like a jab at me personally, but it's kind of a jab at people like me and social media people and Insta, you know, people that are Insta famous or, or have large social media presences because, you know, like I do think there's a little bit of that that has changed. Like look at, you know, inside even their own house, look at Arian and Zach with what they've been doing with on two wheels and their, and their videos and just in their writing and their public, you know, kind of persona like they, I'm sure they get stopped. You know, when they go through a MotoGP paddock, I'm sure there's people that stop them and be like, oh, yeah, I love you. I love motorcyclists. I love what you're doing. I love your videos. Right on. There is a little bit of that, you know, and I think that has kind of changed a bit since since Mark started in this industry like 200, 300 years ago. And that that's a joke that Mark Cook's really old, by the way. That's just one of parent. In case that didn't fly. Uh, I know. That's a that's a he's an old grumpy man joke. As his uncle's Methuselah, <clears throat> right? His yeah. great uncle. Yeah, they're they're buddies. They're <laughs> poker buds. But it's it's changed a lot. Like I, I I definitely hear what he's saying because look how much the print industry has changed in the last 20, 30 years, and look how much digital is changing right now. And you know, like I'm sitting here telling you about how I'm trying to adapt to it. And yep. think of, so think about an organization that's even more steeped sure. into it. You're and, at the sharp end of it, and you have been for a long time. You know, so. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be ahead of the curve. But like, even you know, truthfully, like Twitter's going to put us all out of business eventually, anyways. Twitter. Well, I mean, you know, how much quicker is the news come out on Twitter than it does on my site? Like, I'm pretty quick, but like, you know, even at my sharpest game, it's going to take me 15, 20 minutes to get a story out. After a break, have you found yourself tweeting and then getting to the? I don't like to do that, I, but I do see my colleagues do that, and and I can think of a couple of print publications off the top of my head that have gotten exclusives. Their the reporters gotten exclusive, tweeted about it, and I've been able to break the story on my website before they've been able to get it up on theirs. But they got it in the Twitterverse. They got it in the Twitterverse. But people like myself who could give a flying about Twitter don't. Right? I well, think I have a Twitter account. I'm not. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you do. I do, but I don't obviously don't use it. You don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> I have like Instagram linked to it or something. So whatever. Yeah, right. It's out there. Yep. But I don't, I don't listen. I, I, I went on it for like an hour when I signed up and it was about a year ago. Cause I was like, okay, I should probably do this. And it just did nothing for me. So I, I think, I, I think I can, I can, I think Twitter's great for news. I don't know how great it is for, for media, but like it, it is interesting. Like I think with, um, especially with racers and race teams, I think you can get a great insight into yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, or value added or content added experience by following Valentino Rossi on Twitter or following Nikki Hayden on, on Instagram and seeing that. Cause you're getting, you're getting more of what they're doing. It's just like a and yeah, pro. If I can yeah, plug that again, I, I think we've talked about this on, on the show before. Cause I remember telling you about Steve Matchett, who's the kind of a technical guy for formula one yeah and how right off the bat he was on twitter and and speaking about it he he gets on the tv he's part of the the broadcast crew that does formula one in, the, in at least in the u.s and he was saying hey if you want to be involved with this you should listen you should you should follow each team and as many racers as you can because you'll get some incredible insight yeah by just focusing on on those so i tried that and when i first signed up for it i went and looked at all the motorcycle stuff and it's just 
kind of look at me bullshit and some of it is but like on race day i think or, or on a race weekend i think there's a lot of value because you go some stuff gets like kind of lost in the headlines or some stuff doesn't even make it to the headlines but like you you get like why was yanni hernandez like what happened on turn nine i saw him on the side of the road and you'll see like you know his team be like oh yeah i had an electrical issue or yanni be like yeah the tire you know wasn't you know it was, it was a duff tire had to come in and get it swapped out and you're like oh okay cool now i know why what that that happened yeah, sure but you know you're not going to see a story on asphalt rubber you're not going to see a story on any of the racing sites about like why that happened because it's just it doesn't meet the the basic threshold for for news well and you know and if it's funny how that's full circle so back in the day before internet you would get full race reports and they'd be really detailed well they like, had to be right yeah and and thinking about that now relative to what we've had in the past 15 years i mean you're, you miss out because you're bombarded with the quick and dirty but not the in-depth, right? So perhaps you're going to be able to dig into that. Uh, uh, is that something that you plan on doing? Maybe for, getting for NR Pro? Yeah, I mean, getting... I don't think that's race news, because race news is still news. So you have to understand, I, I look at news as a commodity. And, and it is. Information, basic information is a commodity. I don't really want to be in a commodity business. Now, I think we still at Asphalt Number do a really good job of telling you the news and then adding kind of our two cents worth or our or telling the news through our our lens. But at the end of the day, like how much of that is really different? Like like, you know, our analysis might be different than someone else's, but if all you're looking for is the basic core of the news, that's gonna be the same no matter where you go. And, you know, hopefully we're providing it to you in an easy to digest format. We're providing it it to you in a timely manner and and we'll continue to do that but AR pro is really more for that like something that's going to take a while to put together and that would have been worth it if you're paying your 12 dollars a year to have a subscription to a magazine to get that and we haven't really had that it gets left behind and and you definitely see like the superbike shootout and i'm not trying to say like i'm going to make people pay for superbike shootouts and stuff like that because you see that in the print magazines and stuff but one, the way I want to do it, I think is more scientific and I don't think an objective and I don't think that's in, in the space as much as it should be. And two, I think there's there's some interesting, I've never seen anyone really use statistical analysis in this space at all, which I think is, is plays strongly to my background. Sure. So that'll be something to the table. And then also just like I did a story, one of the first stories I put up for NR Pro was called how to mute or how Polaris can mutate and take over the world. It actually kind of comes back to a conversation we had a couple of shows ago about when I was writing the Victory Octane and we talked a little about how Polaris through Indian and Victory can kind of yeah. do some business things. So it's things like that. And that was like 2,500 words of kind of business analysis. So that's the kind of thing that people are looking for. And I think that's where hopefully motorcyclists will go with this six issue format. Maybe not, you know, that route with like business and analysis, but at least like more in depth. You know, yeah, Ari and Zach riding scooters through Southeast Asia. And, you know, here's these great, you know, nice, thick, glossy photos yeah. of them riding through these rainforests. You, you feel like you're there. You want to go do the thing that they're 6, doing. A 6,000, you know, yeah. word, you know, yeah. story about like this amazing adventure they had and blah, 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 blah. Like that's a great format for print. And I think if that's where Motorcyclist goes with this, I think that's right. I would personally love to do it with Asphalt and Rubber. I would love to do like a quarterly, like a nice thick quarterly that you put on your shelf after you're done with it. You don't throw away. Yeah. I think that would be killer. MCN Sport is like that. It's awesome. You keep every issue after you read it because they're just so good. Um, so 
I think there's I think there's a really good spot for print in that regard where it's something you want to read on paper, not on a screen. You want to spend some time with it. You want to see the photos on a nice glossy stock. Um, I don't know if that's where they're going. I, I a lot of what I've heard as far as like their focus for the future has just been kind of industry rumor, but um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, six issues a year. Hopefully, it'll be. I was looking at the the current version of it. I was like, oh, I haven't seen a motorcyclist in the flesh for a while, and I was shocked at how one how thin it was. And two, how just about every page was an ad. Like I flip over page, the left side would be content, the right side would be a full page ad. Flip the page again, left side content, right page, full page ad. So you're not, you know, for the 80 pages you're getting, it feels like only it's like 40 pages of content. Maybe that's just where I flipped through in the magazine, but. No, I saw the same one. That's why I I was able to recognize what you were talking about with Mark, because I got to look through it and I'm looking through it and you're right, it's. The sad state of affairs. That's what they're looking like now. I saw a Winston cigarette ad too. That was the thing that really Ooh. struck me. I haven't seen a cigarette ad in a magazine huh. in a long time. I didn't even know that was legal anymore. Uh-huh. Um, that's where to think about. But it was, that was uh, that's what really struck me. It was because I opened it up and I'm reading, I think it was even, was it right next to the Mark's letter? I was like, I was reading his letter and there's this Winston ad. I'm like, this is the most bizarre experience I've ever had. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that was Mark's little last little. Maybe. Like, hey, I'm going to get a a tobacco sponsorship here in this last one. Yeah. I I think what you said that uh, you thought that he might be shooting a a shot across your your personal bow. I don't think I don't take it. I don't think. No, I know you don't. I know you don't. But But I don't think you're even right. people like me. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're right. I'm even saying like you. It would be if your articles were constantly me, me, me. And super selfied, and your Instagram account was you, 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 super selfies, and I, I, that's just not the way it is. I think what he's talking about is the many other people that are currently crowding in the space of motorcycle journalism that are, hey, look at me, hey, look at me, hey, look at me, right? And somebody like Ari, who kind of has that, but not in a not in a fake way. I mean, it's just they're adapting to what, what, yeah. what where the market is. Is like, hey, we need to do videos. Yeah. And here he is doing a video on how to do whatever the thing it is mechanically on a motorcycle. And it's rad. And it works really well. And you don't see him showing off his freaking tattoos or putting himself in, in, in p- positions to do selfies in front of, you know, big boob babes or something like that, right? I don't, I don't think, th- I, get, I think that might be where Mark's going as the other end I, of the I get, spectrum. I get the distinction you're making. There's, there's that distinction between like gonzo journalism and just the personal brand of a respected voice. You know, like, like, yeah, like you sure. and I, like we have little man crushes on Kevin Cameron because yep. he puts out these super intellectual technical articles and you just go like, Dude, your brain's just and I like, want him to interject brain, his story. I, I get a brain boner from you yeah, because you I just, want that, and that's his brand. And sure. maybe, and that's what I'm, I do think that's part of it. Like, if you're coming to Asphalt and Rubber, you're probably coming for Jensen Beeler's take on things, or maybe David Emmett's take on things, or or yeah, who, sure. our, our World Super guys, Ken Brockman, you know, his take on things. Um, but like, it's kind of like it's hard to distinguish Jensen Beeler from Asphalt and Rubber in a way. So. There's there's kind of both going on there. Now, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like, hey, I went and did this. You know, sometimes if I go, like, I went to Malaysia and I tried to do, like, a daily log of what we were doing yeah. to mix it up a bit. And I tried to do that when I went to Germany before I broke my collarbone. And those are kind of interesting things. But, like, yeah, I wouldn't say that's our focus. 
and there's definitely people that do that more. And there's definitely people that like have like a social media personality that's based around that. And that's, that's their jam. I don't know. The space is, it's like the wild west. It's like the wild west. And I think that's Mark's biggest reaction right now. And maybe that's why he's getting out of the game. It's just, it's gotten away from its core. It's gotten away from, I think the traditional journalistic values. And I think there's definitely a new book of ethics that's getting written for motorcycle journalism. And I'll put that in quotes, you know, I'm doing a little rabbit or a quote thing on a podcast, which is dumb. But I think there's, we are struggling to figure out how we're going to do this in a 21st century medium. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's move on from there because we've had a busy week with other motorcycle stuff. Tell I, me about it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just got back from sunny SoCal doing, uh, the AGV, uh, Corsa R helmet launch. And they also had the Pista GPR and I had to like think for a second on the names because the names are very confusing to me because they're not very similar or they're too similar, but different. And the uh, helmets are so I, so I brought the helmets with me so you could take a look at them. I placed them too far away for you to get to them easily. So you'll have to try and stretch out and not grab the knock over the uh, the microphone. I think I can do it, man. Can you do it? Let's let's see it. All right. So I wish we had like that like little crazy. Alright, first one I'm grabbing is carbon fiber. Okay, yeah, put you gotta put the mic back. There you go. So and it has that is the Pista GPR. And it looks like I could I, I could well, impale somebody. Or I could scrape wallpaper off the wall. You could probably shovel snow with that rear spoiler. And I should point out really quick. So we were given the uh, it has AGV, hydration in it. The AGV Corsa <laughs> R. That was the helmet we were supposed to go down. I may have stolen that helmet that you're holding right now. And you may have. And by stolen, or I might not have this helmet in my hand at all right now. And, and I'm not going to say I stole it so much as I adversely possessed it. Um, so if I don't someone, know if it's adverse for you. If someone in the uh, AGV marketing department is wondering where that piece of helmet went. Um, you don't have it. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll have it. <laughs> so so that's actually, uh, it's been pretty interesting to see. So the Pista is obviously AGV's top of the line racetrack helmet. It's the helmet you see with Valentino Rossi. They've improved the ventilation. They've added a longer uh, spoiler to it. The... A uh, visor is a lot thicker. In fact, if you grab the other the other helmet, the Corsa, that's got the old visor on it, and you'll see that the the visor on the Pista right there is a lot thicker. I like them thick, and I do believe that it will pass a DOT crash test with a direct impact to the visor now, which is very <laughs> oh, interesting. Wow. It's got right. a double latch system, and so you can crack it and still have it be latched technically. Yeah, oh, oh, that's one, and then oh, and then that's two. great. That's good radio right there. Here's yeah. the first one. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm going to tell you, with your hand on it, it's the most satisfying click ever. Oh, seriously, that's funny. <laughs> it's a big deal, man. What did you, is that, um, You're that's, not, the that's mic. not haptics, but it almost is, right? Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost. It's almost giving me haptic There's feedback. something, there's something, oh, there's a scientific term for that. Um, we'll have to look it up. It'll have to be in post-show. All right, so bottom line is the thing looks uh, really wicked. Yeah, so it has, so let me go over the features. It, it has a hydration system in it now. So where do you put the, are you, is it just, I see, no, that's just, hold on, bear with me. I'm looking at it and there's a tube that is in the bottom area, kind of where your neck would be, right? And it's coming out of the helmet, which makes me think it's sweat regeneration, is that how you're drinking out of it? <laughs> I don't I don't think that's how they did it. No. So there's a little tube that goes to the mouth to the the front of the helmet and then it has a mouthpiece. 
you notice that one's missing it, but that's because I adversely possessed it from AGV. Yeah. Um, but then the tube, the rest of the, the other end of the tube would go into a hydration pack in your leather suit. And so the new AGV or the new Dainese suits have a, a pocket for oh, a, there's, a water. It's got a little kind of thing. It's got a little thing for you to suck on right in the yeah, front. Yeah. And that thing is right in your, in your junk. It, it is. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard not to suck on it. <laughs> I don't know how to say that in a non-weird way. Yeah, sure. Um, so they improved the visor a lot. I said they made it thicker, but the they've added a pin lock. I think the previous model had pin locks as an option. This has a pin, pin lock standard, and the edges of the pin lock call all the way out to the visor's edge on the helmet. So you don't get that kind of like double, yeah. um, how do you call it, distortion. It's an optic one visor, which is pretty much the same optical quality that you get for your contact lenses. So no distortions. It's very clear. Um, it's very light. It's uh, very light. In fact, I weighed the helmet. That's kind of why I adversely possessed it and didn't steal it. Uh, I, I weighed it. So with the visor, so I wear a large. Yeah, I was about to say, this helmet is large. It's large. Uh 1558 grams, 1558 grams with the visor on it, which makes it one of the lightest helmets on the market. There's another helmet that is lighter, whose name I will not say because that's part of a story I'm working on. But I will say with, and it's very, it's almost negligible, I would say the thicker visor and the hydration system are probably the reason why it's heavier. But I will say without the visor, it is 1,333 grams, which is crazy light. And the interesting thing is like both the Corsa and the Pista, the new Corsa and the new Pista are the same shell design. The, the Pista is obviously all carbon fiber, whereas the Corsa is made out of uh, carbon. Holy crap. <laughs> carbon Kevlar and fiber. Heavier, like when you put it on your head, I mean, they're not that, there's not that big of a difference between them weight wise. It's about a hundred grams. But you can actually notice it on your head, which I thought was really interesting when I tried them back and forth. It's not like it's a heavy helmet. No, I'm and just I saying it's all relative. I just spent the past few minutes playing with the other one, and now yeah. I pick this one up, and it's like, wow. Yeah, apparently. and I will point out while you're putting that on, that is not the new visor. That's the old visor. Yeah, sure. So that'll give you a little a little taste of it. And this is a large helmet? That's a large, yeah. Okay. Is it good radio that I'm now <laughs> it's muffled? So, it's so good that you now have that on. Okay. Um, but so the big thing for me with the Corsa, I, I've been riding with the old version of the Corsa, for a while now, now the Corsa uh, R is uh, the ventilation so much better. So I used to I sweat a lot. So this is something I learned actually on my way down from a from a animal kingdom point of view. Humans aren't the really the best at that much. Like we got big brains and that helps us around, but like we're not the fastest. We don't jump the highest. We don't we don't we can't climb that well. We sweat the most. We, we sweat the most. We rock the animal kingdom's world when it comes to sweating and dissipating heat. Mm -hmm. Which is why we can just run across like Africa like no big deal where like cheetahs just would like fall dead. So I sweat a lot which means like I am pinnacle evolution for humans. <laughs> so that was always been my issue cuz such I'm a I'm such a sweaty dude that I would get my sweat would fog up the helmet uh the old Corsa so yeah. that I tried my darndest to make the Corsa R uh, fog up for me. And between the pin lock and the improved uh, vent ventilation, I couldn't get it to go. So that was really impressive for me. Um, and they've made a lot of progress on that. And um, I think the Corsa R is like just under $1,000, whereas the piece to GPR is 1600 Holy shnikes. Right, right. So, and the other big thing... 
on the course that you're taking a selfie right now. After we just talked about like gonzo journalism and selfie sticking it, you're, you're going to do that. Well, why not? <laughs> I look like a TIE fighter pilot. What, what, do we ever figure out what the TIE fighter pilot's Chuck actually called? It's a TIE pilot. A TIE pilot? Yeah, which I think would be like a dude um, I, piloting a rickshaw or something, a TIE pilot. Or a pilot for TIE Airlines? Yeah, TIE pilot. Or just a TIE guy? And I... When I put when I texted him, I put TI just because I didn't know. And he he texted me back in caps T I E pilot. Well well that that's that's not him like yelling at you. It's 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 a it's an all capitalized thing. Oh, is T I E a acronym? That I don't know. I just know it's always spelled in all caps. My nerd I, I'm like wow. I'm like ju- junior varsity nerd on Star Wars. I'm going to have to text him back to ask him why it's all capitalized. All right. Well, you do that, and I'll explain the new liner. <laughs> That's the last feature I have to get out. I don't sweat as much, so it's not as much of a bother. But I'm kind of disappointed that it's not sweat regeneration that I'm drinking. No, I think that's for your benefit. I don't know, man. Can you imagine if there was some cool, like, reverse osmosis? It would be like reverse osmosis, and it would be... Yeah, you know, I can't imagine that because they do that, like, on the space station with, I know. The, with the astronaut P, and I'm that's not aware. the system I want. I know. I don't want to be like, like uh, what's his name, Kevin Costner in Waterland, like, drinking my own urine in the opening scene of a movie. <laughs> is, is that what he does? <laughs> I think it is. I think that's the opening if you scene. Want, if you want to see that, you're in luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate you so much. All right, let me let me get this out so we can get it, so we can move on. So the last thing that's been really improved with the Corsa is there's a new liner on the inside, and hypoallergenic. It's uh it's a lot more plush than it was in the past, and truthfully, it makes me feel like when I'm about to shell out a thousand bucks for a helmet that I'm actually buying like a thousand dollar helmet for it's a change. A, it, I'll say this is of note. I only own one AGV. I bought it in 2001 <clears throat> immediately after Seaman Shelley died, kind of as a, hey. Oh, you have a GP Tech. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. And I... That's what this replaced. Right. So I did not like that helmet at all. I didn't hate it. It was excellent on a racetrack in track day form or in race form. Quiet, strangely. Pretty quiet for a helmet. Yep. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't really care that much, but it was of note that it was really quiet, extremely good aerodynamics. But holy crap, the interior of that helmet was so just low rent, horrible, scratchy, and shitty. I would never own another one until yeah. now I feel these. And it's and like, because that be... that's what a ride for me trumped them with, right? Really? Because I would say a Rye and AGV, historically for me, I have not been impressed by the level of their liners. Now, the new Corsa R and the piece of G, well, I'm not going to throw the piece in because the piece has got a different liner. The Corsa R, I I think they've they've upped the game on the liner, and I don't think they're quite at like showy level yet. I think Showy's got one of the nicest liners in the in the game right now. Um, I'm trying to remember Schubert. I haven't had a Schubert on in a while. They're supposed to send me yeah, one. For me, Showy had had, but I'd never really liked their the feel of their stuff. It's been well, many years since I've owned one though. So yeah, you should. That's why you have to do one of these shootouts. That's why I want to do that. Right. That's then what, there's a lot of preconceived notions. Oh, I had an RF. 900. Well, fuck, that was 10 years ago. Right. So you Lots need to harden changed. up and get a new or ch- try a new one, right? So so the the liner is a lot more plush on the Corsa R now. And I think that really helps justify the $1,000 price tag and make you feel like you're getting a high quality helmet. Not that the old one was so bad, but it just, I've always just not, that always seemed to be something that was holding it back. And I think it's the same with Arai. It's just kind of like, man, I'm spending a grand and I feel like you guys kind of like 
are making your margin on giving me the cheap the cheap liner. The cool thing with the Corsa R liner is it's reversible. So one side is for winter and the other side is for summer. So one side wicks away the moisture and the heat. The other side is trying to trap it in and keep your head warm. The the little snapping system for the liner uh, on the Corsa R and the Pista GPR are the same. So if you want, you can put the Pista liner in the Corsa and the Corsa liner in the Pista to get that fit or whatever you're looking oh, for. Okay. Yeah. So you can, you can try the different, there's, there's a slightly different fit between the two liners. Or if you're saying like, hey, I want a warmer liner or I want that plush liner in my Pista, that's available, which I think is really smart. And this is the same helmet that like Rossi uses. This is the handle that, that Rossi uses, and you know that's the marketing thing is that Rossi helped develop it. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice like on the piece to GPR, there's like these little little winglet things right in the mouth. Yeah. Those are some aerodynamic things that they were testing this season with Valentino. Like he was he was the 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 beta tester for that, and that was a feedback item that that he added along with the longer spoiler. He's a master beta tester. All right, so that moves us on from the helmets. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. I really enjoyed riding them on the track. I'm going to ride around with them in Portland a little bit longer until AGV realizes that they're missing a helmet. And um should see that article on Asphalt and Rubber pretty soon around the time this podcast comes out. Knock on wood. Um but I I I enjoy them both on the track. I think they're 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 good helmets, good visibility, good sight lines, uh good optics. That's the biggest thing for me is I I have a real issue with with my periphery. And, and the top, the brow, the view off the brow. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the things I really liked when the, the Corsa came out versus the GP Tech that you have. I didn't like the the brow on the GP Tech stuck out too far. And the Corsa really corrected that. And You're a low brow kind of guy. I'm low brow. I got a, or is it, no, I think I'm high brow. I, I need a high brow <laughs> on it. Yeah. Yeah. I disagree with you. I disagree with you, sir. How dare you? Um, Good ventilation, really neutral aerodynamics. I really enjoyed that. I was able and, to move and you my rode this at, a lot. Uh, in Bakersfield. So that's what I probably should have said before we started this whole the whole nonsense. Oh, yeah, so, well, let's go and get into it. We'll just Tarantino it. We'll just put it at the end. Sure. Right. So, so I drove down to Buttonwillow. I brought down my my Hypermotar. This SP. is a, a racetrack off of the I five in the the lower end of the San Joaquin Valley. It's right next to Bakersfield, which is where the place where, where go to die. I was actually, I was, I even said that in the hotel. I was like, I wonder which of my dreams tonight are going to die. And, and you, when you put that in, uh, I think you posted it on Facebook. That was yeah. quite, quite amusing. It was a zinger. It's also known for lots of hexavalent chromium and uh, radioactive isotopes. The whole area. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't want to go there with a Geiger counter. I legitimately was told not to drink the, the tap yeah. water. That's really close to where the um, Aaron Brockovich, that's the hexavalent oh, chromium. Oh, that what that is? Oh, yeah. That whole area. That so, whole. like, I legitimately shouldn't have drank the water because I was like, oh, you guys are fucking silly. And yeah, I, sure. I had, like, two. Oh, geez. Uh, I, I don't think you have to worry having one glass, but the people that had to live there, yeah, it was horrible. But then in that area near Buttonwell, there was always the – and it was probably rumors because of the hexavalent chromium thing with Aaron Brockovich that the whole area just became, oh, yeah, it's radioactive. But – Still, it was always a joke when you go when you I go mean, off there. You have to be careful because you're going to kick up It was a little surprising how quickly the tires warmed up. <laughs> so that's the other thing. So I was down at Buttonwell. It was for the AGV press launch, but I also brought down those new Michelin Power RS tires that that Michelin sent me that I was showing people at the live show in Portland. RS. What? RS. RS. Mm. Yeah. What did I say? No, you said it. I'm just repeating it. RS, because it's like RS. It's like the Scottish RS. Pilot arse. Thai pilot arse. You seriously like interrupted me for that? Oh yeah, Thai pilot arse. 
That's for Chuck. That's for Chuck. All right, so you uh, got to spoon those on your hyper motard yeah. SP and circulate a Buttonwell, which was which was awesome. So I used to live in Santa Barbara. Buttonwell used to be really really close to me. This was my first time going to that track for for years and years and years. I heard about how shitty bumpy willow is and i was just like avoided like the plague it was horrible back in the early 2000s i hated i loathed going there because it made racing not fun when you're on a motorcycle you should be having fun and specifically at that track i would never have fun i would be okay the most fun i've had around that track was uh driving a Porsche 914 4 with 90 horsepower and a roll cage set up for SCCA racing because it didn't matter that it was a bumpy, shitty track with a couple of horrible bus stop, bad, no flow turns in it. But apparently now that they've repaved it, it sounds like it's actually pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know what it was like before the repavings, but I can tell you what it's like now. I mean, there's still like turn two. We were going clockwise. So turn two for that course setup, the way, and we were doing a couple weird little turn so i don't even know um because there's a couple iterations of how you can run the track uh, in terms of which turns you do and which yeah, direction sure. you go if they use the bus stop or if they use the back straight or right if they're right, up, sure. right so for our course our turn two had this crazy patch bullshit that was kind of sketchy to go across and there's a couple spots where you're like you know what's the grip level here so there's definitely some i wouldn't say it's like the perfect paved track you know coda level yeah you know asphalt but i was i was very much enjoying the layout and i think the hyper too was like the perfect bike for it so you know like the bumpiness and the weirdness you know i had just probably like three more inches of suspension travel than anyone else did to enjoy that with and it's not a terribly fast track so you know having only like 115 horsepower whatever it is that the hyper makes with a full pipe um wasn't really a big as big of a deal and it was not like I was hanging out for dear life, but yeah, had a lot of fun ripping around on Buttonwillow. Had a really good time on the track. Really enjoyed it. Great facility in terms of what they've they've put together there. Someone was telling me they run, they have people on the track 300 days a year, and obviously they can they can do a couple of configurations where they can have yeah, sure. multiple people on the yep, track yep. in time. And it's car people are out there and bike people are out there. And, and there's I, a smaller track, a go kart track to do supermoto on. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it's in the back area. I. It's been many years since I've done it, but yeah. I did it. Oh, that's good to know. Um, yeah, so I feel like I definitely, I kind of like kicking myself for waiting this long in my career to like finally go to Buttonwell. And is, you got to drive 16 hours to go do it, right? Or 18? Well, you know, that's, that's besides the point. It was like 24 or whatever. No big deal. Who's counting? <laughs> um, really enjoyed the Michelin Power RS tires. Those, those held up pretty well. I haven't had Michelins on a bike in a long time, probably since I lived in Santa Barbara, to be honest. So that's yeah. putting it in almost 15 years ago. Impressed with that tire a lot. That's their top of the line street tire. So it's not like a DOT race. It's not like a, a race tire. In fact, I'm trying to see, I have somewhere the kind of tires they're going against. So like the Pirelli, it's going against the Pirelli Diablo Rosso 3, the Dunlop Sport Smart 2, the Continental Sport Track 3, the Bridgestone S21, the Metzler M7RR. Some of those tires sound like they might be European market, not US market. But um, that's kind of like the level of tire that Michelin's pegging this at. But it's not the uh, the siped, uh, like, touring tires like the Pilot. What are they, Road? Mm, Pilot Roads. No, no. In fact, the sipes are really, really small. And I think that's part of what's giving them such good grip 
is that they're not doing a lot of siping and they're not doing a lot of siping at the edge of the tire. It's kind of down the middle third and they're calling it a two CT plus, which means it's going to have dual compounds down the center and then different compounds down the side. So I'll be really curious to see how much mileage I get out of them. I tried to do some road riding while I was in California. The idea was that I was going to have better weather down there than I did up here. Yeah. And then, of course, it rained in California when I sure. went to go do that. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Um, and then today was a gorgeous day in Portland, and I didn't get a chance to go out. So that's how that goes sometimes. But really impressed with them. I'll be really curious to see what they come out for in price and how many miles they get out of them. But so far, so good. Um, didn't have any real issues with them. They seem to be really grippy. <clears throat> what type pressures did you run them at? Oh, now you're asking me a question. I did... Oh, man. It's written on a piece of paper in my car somewhere. I want to say like 30-ish in the front, 28, 30-ish in the yeah. front, 25-ish in the rear. I, I ended Is up, that what they recommended? Yeah, it was whatever they ended up. Because that's pretty getting, low. I, I ended up getting on the phone. tires are doing that. Yeah, right? I ended up getting on the phone with, with the tire specialist about it, and they gave me the correct temperature uh, pressures. I kind of guesstimated for the first session. I was just kind of going out and doing whatever. And then finally got um, got some good cold tire uh, pressure recommendations and a, and a hot tire uh target and just kind of spent the rest of the day doing that it was interesting to see as the track cooled down i definitely saw my traction control kicking on more but i think that's more with the track cooling than it is the tire fading yeah so but it was it was interesting for for a sport bike tire a street tire to go out on the track and do the 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 level i was pushing at i was i was impressed i'm more of a pirelli guy i know my pirellis pretty well and um you know, I would say it was easily pushing as hard as a Diablo Rosa Corsa would do, if not better. So that was that was of note because I don't think I think the Rosa Corsa is kind of a step above what um, Michelin's fighting in or, or positioning this tire in. Yeah. So that that bodes well. It's put, it's punching below above its weight. Um, a lot of fun on the Hyper. I haven't had that much fun on a track bike in a while, and I don't really track the hyper that much. I don't really like getting knee down on a bike that tall. It's really disconcerting. It is a weird feeling to do. You can do it once you do it a bunch. Ah, but it's not like immediately comfortable. No, right? it took me. I don't. Even, I think I got a couple knee downs in the first session. I was just kind of putting, but the second one, like I started ripping, and that was like I think that's a testament to the tires. To be honest, that I felt comfortable doing that sure. and and getting that tall. It's thirty three inch seat height getting that thing linged over and scraping some foot pegs and uh, got a couple of cool shots of a ripping and tearing and got to mix it up with a bunch of uh, my colleagues, which was a ton of fun. Um, all the usual suspects were there and uh, Jason Pridmore and Benny Solis were there. Um, Benny's way faster than anyone should be. He makes that Honda look quick. He's a cool dude. He makes a Honda look quick. He makes a Honda. That's CBR 600 <laughs> making it look quick. Um, so yeah, good, good, good times in Bakersfield, good times in Baco. And what else did you do on your journey? Yeah. So then, so then I packed everything up and made the, the, the grand trek home, but not before stopping by Alta Motors. And this is the segue where we should probably announce your new job. Okay. So I am leaving the employ of Moto Corso, which is the Ducati shop here in Portland. And I'm going to work for Alta Motors. So Alta Motors is an electric motorcycle startup out of the San Francisco area, for those that don't know. Uh, it's a company I've, we were actually talking about it. I was probably one of the, f- I think I was the first journalist on their bike. Um, but it's a company I've been following for 
almost the start of my career, which has been interesting to see. So it's interesting to see you get wrapped up with them after we rode their bike at um, Brown's Camp here in Portland. We rode the Alta Redshift MX. I had a good time on that. And um, I'm just going to take responsibility for you getting that job. I feel like I should get like a kickback on that. Yep, totally. So we'll so sort that out. We'll, so we'll, yeah, we'll sort that out. I think in the future, we don't talk about electric bikes too much. So I think to keep things on the up and up, we'll probably just have you refrain from talking about Alta or their competition from the future going forward. We'll just, give a, little, we'll just give a little preference that I'll chat with the people. And you're an if employee. There's a thing. And, yeah. If there's yeah. a thing that sounds like, hey, we would like to talk about this thing. I just got to sort it out. Yeah, I don't we'll think just, it'll be a big deal. Just want to keep it on the up and up so people know that there's a little bit of a conflict and we're going to try and work around it. I don't think it will really be an issue, but yeah, um, you'll probably just have to shut up when we talk about it. Kind of like what we do when like, we talk about new Ducati bikes. Yeah, I have to be, even though I don't work for Ducati any longer, I, and I've dealt with pre-owned bikes at a dealership, I still work for a dealership that makes its, the bulk of its money off of Ducati. And I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of looking forward to being completely outside of the umbrella of that for a while. Yeah. I've, it's been so much of my life for so long. So um, I, I hadn't really thought a whole lot about it, but... Now working for something that's completely different, it's uh, it's good. I think anybody that if you if you dedicate your life to any one thing for so long, it can get uh, tedious. So being in motorcycles in general, and then being in Ducati land since I mean I started working at a Ducati shop in 1997, right? And I I don't there hasn't been too many times. There was a span when I was working on the race teams that I was working for Yamaha and Sizz that I wasn't involved with Ducati. But other than that, I have been. So anyway, it'll be really exciting. I'm stoked on it because, um, well, I'm going to be a regional rep um, uh, on the service side or after sales as as the parlance in the industry is. Anytime you have anything other than sales, it's called after sales. So in this case, I'm going to be the West Coast. Um, West Side! Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Too white for that. Yeah, no, it's bad, dude. It's horrible. <laughs> But awesome. Uh, so that, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be uh, taking care of the, the dealers. At least in the West Coast right now, it's going to be everywhere because I'm the only one for now. But it's, it's early days for them uh, trying to sort it out. They started shipping bikes recently. Uh, we got to ride the bike. It's rad. We did the Red Bull Straight Rhythm, which was, to be honest with you, the main driver for me. As soon as I saw that, I was like, holy crap. I mean, I'd ridden the bike. I knew how rad it was. But to watch a, a professional athlete do some ripping and tearing on it. Um, pretty stoked, right? Even if it wasn't, oh, what was the name of the? Dustin Pipes. Dustin Pipes. Pipes. Maybe I can convince the marketing department that we need to get some Dustin Pipes on a bike with no pipes, right? You know, the irony. <laughs> Our good buddy Shaheen that works at uh, Moto Corsia, he's going to make a, a pretty cool t-shirt that says Eat, Sleep, Brap, and it has some cool uh, images on it. And uh, he already has made one that says Eat, Sleep, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoked for you. I'm stoked for you in the new job. I, I really like what Alta's doing. I think it's good people. I think they've got their head switched on the right way. Uh, I stopped by their headquarters on the way up. So I, I'd seen their old place of business. In fact, I've seen a couple iterations before that even. But now they have a facility in Brisbane, which is out by the, the airport, San Francisco airport. Um, and they've got like 40, 50 employees they got an assembly line it's the whole deal and so i hadn't seen that yet and finally got the chance to to go and meet with the team and and see just kind of what they've been up to and and it's rad really it's really cool. impressive yeah. and like if you go to um bramless facility down in um ashland it's 
not in Ashland. It's in talent. Oh yeah. Talent. Well, I always love that. They're just like, they're getting talent and talent. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a buddy in uh in business school whose name I won't put on the, the air because it would be embarrassing, but like he kind of had like a nasally voice. And like when we go out to the bars to like, you know, meet members of the opposite Carouse. sex. You were carousing. Just, just to just be just swarmy men. He'd be like, I want to go out and find some talent. Talent. Look for talent. Some, looking for some talent. And it was just, it would just, uh, just crush you. Cause you're just like, you're uh, going home alone for uh, sure. If you keep horrible. that up, <laughs> we're probably all going home alone for sure. If He's you keep not that keeping up. anything up with that. There's you know no, what I'm saying? no talent. So now whenever I hear talent, I hear talent. But you don't think that the Bramo? Um, no, I'm saying that that they have a very nice facility there. Okay. I don't know what they're doing now that the they are owned by Polaris. Really, Polaris bought their motorcycle business. Bramo is a electric drivetrain uh, consulting kind of company of which Polaris is their largest um, client. But they're yeah. also servicing other companies as well. I, I was very impressed with with Bramo's facility there in Talent. Um, in fact, their Ashland facility was really nice too, but you go around and you look at some of the other ones and you're just kind of like, so this is just kind of like a tech startup with like a garage, isn't it? Like there's very few people in this space. I haven't seen zero space in a very long time. So I'll just put that out there. I don't really know in maybe like three to you four know zero years, about it, right? I know zero about it because I've been taken off their press list twice now and I'm just not interested in getting back on it to, to, to be it's really good honest. Good thing I didn't get a job with them, man. Eh? Yeah, but it is interesting to see like the different facilities because like I'm looking at my mind like when I went to visit Zero's facility, then it wasn't nearly the level of what Alta's is now. I, I can't speak to what Zero's facility is now, obviously, because I haven't been there and no one talks to me there. But um, very impressed with how Alta has developed their their technology and how they're putting it together. I mean, they're basically doing Tesla level, Toyota level manufacturing and testing. And- so that was the thing that heartened me enough to. To go there, there was a bunch of things, of course, that made me say, hmm. In the beginning, I was a bit skeptical, straight up. I mean, we're dealing with a, the sharp end of this in the industry. Even though we're eight or nine years into electric being normalized, I would say, right? There, the, before 2009, it was still super weirdo stuff. DC motors, lead-acid batteries, generally, right? So it's, 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 it's entered, <clears throat> and now deep enough to where we uh, uh, the, the wheat's been sorted from the shaft and we got some of the good stuff's out there and this is one of them. So when I get there and I see, I mean, the, the frames are forged and, and having them show me that these are forged things and that's bizarro, aluminum forging, not cast, yeah. but it's a frame that's been forged and then welded and then they showed me all the various pieces of equipment they use to test the stuff, whether it, you know, simulating conditions for the heat or yeah. cold or whatever. The testing has been, that's the thing of, of note for me. And then just the process, the, the processing that they've done in terms of being ISO 9000 compliant, which for people that don't know, that's, that's what allows companies to make recalls effectively, where the, you have this process that allows you to track every nut and bolt and every person that's touched them and when they were put in what machines and be able to say, hey, we got a bad batch of, I don't know, wheels from our supplier. Yep, sure. So which bikes, what physical VIN numbers have yep. this bad batch of wheels? Well, if you're ISO 9000 compliant, you can go back and be like, 
Oh, it was Jensen's bike and Quentin's bike and Bob's yeah. bike, it but was not Vin, Susie's bike. Vin this this Vin range from here to here. Right. Or here. or or if it was someone on the assembly line that was doing something wrong, it's like, well, every every bike that Quentin touched had the brake line routed hey, wrong. Hey, that's too close to home. Oh, Stop oh, it. Stop oh. It. hey, 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 is that a picnic basket I see? Um, but it's being able to say like, hey, okay, yeah, this one yeah. person on the assembly line was doing the brake line wrong. So VIN number 29, VIN number 47, VIN number 81, those all need to be looked at and have their yeah. whatever's redone. So that's really interesting. And to see the technology platform that they built to do that on a budget was really impressive. In fact, I think I, I should do a story on that because I think it's really cool. You absolutely should. That's a very interesting it, thing. It involves Raspberry Pis, which I'm already a sucker for because that's that's where my nerd, that's so where my A-level nerdy gets in. Tasty Raspberry Pis. Yeah, we're going to have some, I'm going to have to put some Raspberry Pi projects in the house because I just got a couple boxes and computer screens and stuff that I don't need to. You're well, going to have to explain that really quickly for well, people that don't know what the hell a Raspberry Pi is. A Raspberry Pi is this super cheap. It's basically a computer on like a very small circuit board. So it's about the size of your hand. You can buy them for 5 to $5 up to $30. I think I just saw one for 20 But it's all this idea of like it's a really cheap. They're supposed to be like hobbyist level computers and they run Linux, which is an open. I was open, about to say the little. Open penguins. We're back the to the penguins. penguins are just going to creep out of there. They yeah. like, like Raspberry. Yeah. Raspberry penguins. And so you can run, which is an open source software. So you can run these like cheap little softwares and people are doing like really cool projects with them. So, um, yeah, I think, I think very interesting things, very interesting things going on there and very smart people at Alta. So obviously Quentin's going to be ruining that for them. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, can, we're gonna I it tend to bring bit. down the curve. That's You're the way it goes, like, right? <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully they have a other, a couple other strategic hires to balance you out. <laughs> But um, no, gonna, yeah, the pun curve is going to go up there, oh right? My God, that's the issue. That's <laughs> the issue. Um, so yeah, cool to see them shipping out bikes. They got big goals for 2017, and um, hopefully they they go out and they rock it because it'd be great to see. One, we need another player in the space. Um, you know, Zero I think has done a good job selling a certain number of bikes each year and kind of just kind of showing that market. But I think it's good to see a little competition in the space. I think it's. I don't even know how much Alta is really even looking at Zero and saying like, "Hey, you're our competition." I think Alta is going after KTM, Husqvarna, oh, yeah. totally. Honda, Suzuki. Sure. I think that's truthfully where they're where they're putting their sights and going after those markets. And you know, we rode the we rode the Redshift MX, and I think it compares very well to a gas bike in a lot of applications. So I think they could you know convert some souls. I think you need to put asses in seats to help make that yeah, happen for sure. Um, because I think there's a lot of seeing is believing in this space, especially like the electric space has just been mired with a oh, lot horrible. of yeah. over promising under delivering. Well, in this case it's delivering and more. And I certainly am, I'm, I've crossed my fingers. Hopefully well, you're, you're that I'm going to get a demo. This is, this is like a free ad that you're doing now. I know, like you're, right? you're, you're like tainted. Taint. Taint no problem for me. All right, so I'll get. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a little demo action, and we can go do some ripping and tearing and bzzzing, uh in and around uh, Oregon. Yeah, I'll be excited to do so. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. Um, so yeah, congratulations on the job. Thank you. Uh, and it was cool to see everyone at Alta, and good to see them shipping bikes. They're going to be shipping a lot more in 2017, which is awesome to see. Hopefully, we'll do a little supermoto action soon. Uh, I got to see some of the bikes they're coming out with, and they look pretty cool. So there's cool things on the horizon. 
um, that I'll I can't find share. out in about 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you haven't seen that stuff yet. Yeah, That's no. cool. That's cool. <laughs> I think you'll, I think you'll be up your jam. We had some newsy stuff to talk about. This is a story that I, I've been really looking forward to talking about. Is it the MV Augusta one? Yeah. Yeah, I know. You love the Ruskies. Uh, you love them. Rus- a Rusky, yeah, Rusky? You're, you're, you're Russian to get this story out, aren't I was, you? I was, oh. Uh. <laughs> we're, we're putting it out there. <laughs> I'm not stalling. I'm not stalling at all. Uh, can't wait for you to get your new job. <laughs> I can't wait for you to have like other people that are as miserable as I am. Uh, and we can commiserate. <sighs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so for those that don't know, MV Augusta is hopefully they haven't, they actually, I don't think they've actually signed the deal. I think they just said like, we plan on signing the deal, but they're going to get a cash infusion from black ocean, which that is a good name, man. Black ocean. Black ocean. Sounds very ominous. Like, yeah. It's like a moonless night and you're on the black ocean. Yeah. Sharks all around you giving you Russian money. So, so long way short, one of the, the the partners is 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 a rusky and the the scuttlebutt is this is kind of a way a backdoor way for maybe some russian investment to flow into Augusta. but the the upside is is that it sounds like Augusta is going to get a nice good cash infusion this may or may not mean that amg is divested from its holdings in Augusta. that remains to be seen but at the very least it means that uh Augusta will be able to kind of get out of this cash flow problem that they're having and it was just funny because like a few days before that, the um, Guardia de Finanzia, my Italian's not good enough Oof. to get that pronunciation right. Oof. Um, they're basic. I don't, we don't really have uh, a good analogous organization in the U.S. It's kind of like the IRS. It's kind of like customs. It's kind of like the SEC. This isn't the Politburo? No, but like they're in charge of like white collar crime stuff. Mm in in italy and actually you see them a lot at icma they're the guys that come around like like the chinese scooters that look like vespa they come and they they seize them and it happens every year really they come in on like the second day they raid the show and they just start pulling out some of the bikes legitimately look like knockoffs of usually italian brands huh and some of them you look at it and you're just like I'm pretty sure you're just seizing that bike because the company's from China and that scooter is a hell of a lot cheaper than anything that, you know. Yeah. I've never heard you talk about that. Out. That's fascinating. Really? I feel like we talked about it on the show. Oh, once. man. I don't. I, I like don't a long know. time ago. Okay. Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah. Go through the archives. Maybe, okay. hey, you should go read the show notes. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. Someone actually sent me show notes. No. I, I meant to show that to you. One of our listeners did show notes for us. What? And I'm going to pull, I got to pull it up. Because like, oh, I don't need to send that to Quentin. That's a not of note. They were, they are Scandinavian. So we're getting That's a little Scandinavian better. connection there. They're from Norway. Uh, no way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yahweh. Uh, we're gonna have to, like, are you finished gonna, with me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Are you Lennon glad it's over? <laughs> yeah, right. Anywho, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this wrong because I have no idea how to pronounce this character. Oivian Sandas, Sandes, 
Oivian, I'm getting my inflections wrong. I'm such a fair weather Scandinavian. Oivian Sandas, Sundays, sent us uh, show notes for the last show, which huh. was awesome. Okay. Well, so he's basically replacing you in my life. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so check out the last show for the show notes on that. And hopefully we'll get some more. Where are if you? If he takes the time to do it. Where do you see the show notes? Asphaltandrubber.com. Okay. Just look up the episode. I think it's episode 39. So you don't have it up on the Facebook page. Maybe I'll I'll figure yeah. out a way to because copy he's and got, paste he it. He even hyperlinked it to all the stuff. No, really? Yeah, he did like a pro job. That's the way I always thought it would be so cool to be able to do. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, he's... Does that, is this how we know we've made it? When we have a Scandinavian, a Nor, a Norwegian? Did you say he's Norwegian? Norwegian, yeah. We have a Norwegian doing our show notes. Not a Norwal, a Norwegian. Narwhal? Narwhal. There are narwhals out there, I guarantee it. Oh, for they sure. They poke their little things through the ice, maybe? Their little things? <laughs> it's pretty long ice. Like, they're like four feet long, yo. Are they really? Yeah. Well, then that's how they poke them through the ice. That's a lot of poking. Ah, but if they happen to be able to do a little poking and some tearing, right on. I don't think we need to be talking about it anymore. I'll say that. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, where, what were we talking about? We'll find out that they're only uh, found in the Arctic Ocean, like really, really far away from Norway. And there's no way they're going to be around that area, right? Um, so, yeah, Black Ocean investing in... Oh, we're talking about the Guardia de Financia. <laughs> wow. We, we just went down a narwhal hole. That was a narwhal hole right there. No penguins here, sir. Yeah, right? Um, so so just before this announcement of Black Ocean investing in MV Augusta, the Guardia de Financia found that MV Augusta had been paying suppliers with the money that they were supposed to with, be withholding for the social security for their employees. So they basically oh, weren't making social security contributions or yeah. their version of social security. Uh, and now that's, you know, the, uh, Giovanni Castiglione, the CEO of MV Augusta denies that that's what was happening and that the social security payment system is very convoluted and they were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing and had agreed to be doing. So I would, and I also would kind of argue like if the company can't exist because you can't do this thing, then you're not going to get the social security. So you might as well be accruing that or, you know, owe it, but Hey, if we can't, well, this has been going on for like a year. So like they were they were taking the money out of their employees' paychecks. There's like, you know, like uh, like okay. Like, like you get your paycheck in the US and like you're like, who's this FICA and why is he taking all my money? Yeah. So it's like, oh, so you're getting paid forty percent what you're supposed to be getting paid, you know, because of the withholding. And then instead of like MV being like, Okay, here's we took that out of your paycheck and we're giving it to the social security people, they were like, Here here you go, Brembo. Here here you oh, yeah. here you go, sure. you know, Marzuki and Olins and Yeah, sure all the other suppliers that we haven't been paying and yeah, okay, okay, we're cool now. Um, cause that's definitely, and I definitely heard that a lot of MV suppliers were basically either just not doing business with the company anymore or demanding cash up front. They yeah. definitely weren't doing anything else on credit, which is usually how it is. Usually like you, if you're an, uh, a manufacturer, you buy those parts, you order those parts on credit from the supplier, yep. you know, whoever that is. And then you pay them back once you've sold the bike and the dealers paid you and all that rigmarole, which can take like 18 months to get. So that's, I think, the thing that people don't understand is it takes from the point of ordering that part and to the point of when that manufacturer gets paid from the sell of the bike that that part was on can be over a year in time. And that's what's gotten MV Augusta into a lot of trouble is that year of time. 
So, you know, they ramped up their production quite a lot. And so we're buying a lot more parts and they're still waiting for the catch up. So they're basically paying, you know, uh, the suppliers for their current volume level based on the volume level that they had, you know, a year, a year and a half before, which was dramatically less. So you can see how they kind of got themselves into this, this pickle. Now, the question to ask yourself is why did nobody realize that at MV Augusta? Because that's the way the industry has been for decades. That's the issue. Um, but with someone like Black Ocean coming in and having, you know, a big pocketbook, they can start paying some of those suppliers, get the stuff going back through in the uh, factory so they can start building new bikes and having the parts supply show up for the bikes in the factory and also kind of catch up with that cash flow issue that they're having. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Kind of complicated business stuff going on, but fingers crossed. Um, hopefully, you know, I think MV Augusta makes an amazing product. I really like a lot of the bikes that they're making. I wish some of them were a lot more reliable than they are. And I wish the product support here in the U S was a lot better than it is. But like, you know, for the most part, they don't have a product problem. They just have like a support problem. They just have like a business operations problem. They just have like a business issue in general problem. Like yeah. it's, it's everything surrounding them. That's the issue. So hopefully they can get that together because I think it'd be, it'd be cool to have that brand stronger and, and more prominent in the U S and, and not doing things. Um, you know, obviously one of the things that, um, we as Americans should be excited to see is PJ Jacobson just signed oh, yeah. with MV Augusta for Super the World rad. Supersport Championship. Sure. Half of me is it's like, half of me is like so stoked because that's rad and he's awesome. But the other half is like, oh, what what if they fold halfway through well, because all this crap that's going on? Or I don't know much about the race team the, he's going to be on. The it's, racing team, the Reparto Corsa, MV Augusta Reparto Corsa team has been funded primarily outside of MV. Okay. So they kind of so get a their, chance that even if they something goes wrong at the factory this year, they'll at least be able to continue through the year for him. The biggest issue for them with MV is how much the bike will get developed and how much like a new racing platform is being developed. So like the F4 is really long in the tooth. Well, is he races world super, he's sport? super sport. So he's on the F3 675. So yeah. that's take that aside. But like, it's like the same idea of like, I think at the live show we were talking about, like you were looking at the Panigale that Chaz Davies was on, the Panigale R, and being yeah. like, that is nothing near what's on the showroom floor. Yeah. It's that same idea of like, well, you're not going to have, you know, MV being like, oh, you need a longer swing arm. Let me make that swing arm for you. Or we sure. found that this geometry is actually better. Or we found a new way to improve combustion in the three cylinder chamber. So do this. Yeah. But as far as like, the team mechanics getting paid and the the toy hauler trailer getting pulled around to where it needs to go and hopefully that's that's more stable let's say than mv augusta's core business operations but you know when mv is having a hard time it, it certainly trickles into the racing team yeah sure well either way pj i can't remember where he finished this past year uh, i believe it was fourth in the championship so pretty good i knew it was up pretty there. good i think he was he was pretty far back in the points though i think he was really competing for like a, a third second place i think he was right racing a honda he was on a honda cbr 600 which is a tough bike to be on not a horrible motorcycle but just not fast enough to keep up with the current crop of is it cowies that's probably uh it's mostly cowies that are blowing yeah. things out of the water there yeah, yeah. um and, and you look at the 636 platform, the ZX6R platform, um, and it's a lot more updated and new than the Honda platform is. And the MV has shown a lot of promise. You know, we've seen the MV up front. We've seen the the F3 doing really well. It Their biggest challenge for the 2017 season um, 
Kent was telling me was that the MV out of the box, like the what you could buy in the showroom, has got a very advanced electronics package. With the way the Super Sport rules are going, yeah, uh, they're really dumbing down the electronics. So the biggest thing for them is actually trying to figure out how they can get that bike to work without being able to utilize the electronics that they had at their disposal. So um, getting like the auto blipping and the 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 slipper clutch um, control mechanisms to work properly has been a bit of an issue. Yeah. So, you know, they've got some technical hurdles for themselves. And that's kind of one of those things where, like, that's where you want, like, the MV Augusta factory to be there to help you figure those kind of things out. Um, and they may not, you know, maybe with this Black Ocean investment, that'll help them get that sorted. But that would be something where you'd lean on a factory, hopefully, to help you be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is how we do this. And, you know, and this is maybe a way you can work around it. Or here's what we came up with in our test stands. So, you know, well, time will tell, but I think he's on a good, I think the MV is going to be a good racing platform for him, uh, for PJ next season. Super good dude. One of the, you know, he's like the great white hope for American racing fans. You know, Nikki, World Superbike, yeah. Superbike. I mean, you got Nikki on the Honda Superbike team and you got PJ and World Supersport, you know, trying to work his way up the ranks. And that's kind of it, guys. You know, on the international motorcycle racing, you know, spectrum. There's no one in GP anymore. Um, I mean, you got Mark Miller still at like the TT and doing road racing, but you know he's kind of a uh, I wouldn't say he's a backmarker, but he's he's you know he's he's fighting for top tens. So uh, you know it's PJ and Nikki holding it down for us, and uh, definitely worth giving them some support. Uh, the World Superbike feed has been definitely improving. Our buddy Steve English is on there, Greg. Uh, Haynes is, is doing the commentary as well. They do a great job. I wouldn't say their feed is quite up to the MotoGP standard yet in terms of like what they're showing on video and things, but it's definitely improved a lot. It's, I think it's worth getting a video pass just to watch Nikki and PJ fight it out and uh, giving some support to them. So if you can do that um, right after you sign up for A&R Pro, there's another plug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm on a roll. On fire. Um, follow us on social media if you're not. Two enthusiasts at two enthusiasts on the Twitter box. Man, you got this asphalt pro all up in your well, grill, man. I'm gonna plug it one more time. Oh get man, for it. you just you just did it without even trying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Daddy's got to get paid, yo. Um, follow us on Twitter at two enthusiasts. We're on Facebook at facebook.com/slash two enthusiast podcast. Follow us on SoundCloud. If you listen to this show on iTunes, please, 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 please give us a rating. Leave us a comment. Um, we are trying to fight Apple's search algorithm tooth and nail, which is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I'm surprised that that, like this day and age that a search engine is that poor. You know how you might be able to fight that? Um, you might be able to put like a www.kickstandsup.com. Hell yeah. We gotta, we gotta see if we could do that. Oh my God. I bet somebody's going to get it and then we're screwed. You get on that tonight. Why do I have to get on? You, you got a computer. You got a wallet. Stands up to what, do I, what do I got to do everything around here? You don't even need the fucking show notes. Hey, but you, you got to worry about if somebody does kickstandsup.com and then it's just like I a bunch care. of kickstands down. Zero. Oh, my God. Oh, nothing but pictures of kickstands down. I want the kickstands down. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> then you're against us. You're against us. <laughs> you're not us. with us. You're against us. <laughs> um, thank you for everyone that emailed me with the words kickstands up in the last few weeks. I really appreciate that. Hashtag. 
And if you're a diehard asphalt and rubber reader and you want to support the site and you want to see it without ads and without race spoilers and see the super long in-depth articles that myself and others are writing, please, please, please sign up for Asphalt and Rubber Pro. Uh, you can find it at asphaltandrubber.com slash pro. All right. And I just found out like literally right now that I got an OMRA award, OMWRA, right? This is the race organization that I was working. I got an award. There's their award ceremonies right now uh, for bike tech inspector. So that's interesting. And I feel kind of bad that I'm not there. So I'm going <laughs> to shout out to all the Omer peeps. Expecting. You were the iron fist of bike inspection. <laughs> I know. Well, apparently. You ruled that tech inspection with an iron fist. Yeah, well. You, like the Soviet Russia. Just, oh, nah, das I must break you. <laughs> just Drago. <laughs> well, yeah. And Soviet Russia award gives, gets gives me. Gives you, yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. So there's that. Kickstands up. Good talk. See you out there. We are caffeinated, caffeinated, caffeinated. <clears throat> properly caffeinated for I'm I'm easy going. You probably had a few. You probably I'm um I had that so the do I had at dinner was my second do of the day. Now I'm switching to the D Coke. Yeah. And because I'm trying Jensen to watch likes my the D. D Coke. You gotta <laughs> <laughs> Don't hang me out to dry on that. <laughs> I, I gotta watch my sugar intake, otherwise I'm gonna get the diabetes. You think you got the diabetes? No, but if I diabetes. keep it up, I'm probably gonna get it. I, I oh man, diabetes. Oh, I got the diabetes. If you're like my name, what's his name? It's like Wilbur, Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. I like that you know that. Dude was right. You're not letting me down at. All on that front. Wilford Brimley and Ernest Borgnine were both really rad <laughs> old dudes from the 80s. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine was the best because he was in Airwolf. Yeah. And if you could if you could make this show. I loved Airwolf as a kid. So did I. Loved Airwolf. I don't even think I've seen an entire episode, but for some reason, like that show is my jam. Excellent 80s Sinjin Hop If you don't make this show that I mean you have to use this music You have to I don't even know who's in this show Like